are now tuned in to another episode of Bourbon and Books with the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. Welcome to another edition of Bourbon and Books with the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. I'm KEB, that's RLJ, along with our guy, Cousin Jeff, in the building, man. Um, yeah, I'm gonna blame this one on Jeff, brother Jeff. <laughs> I'm gonna blame. I'm gonna blame this month on this 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 month's book on Jeff. Uh, it was a quick read though, so I mean, quick 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 read, man. But you know when when they say you never judge a book by its cover, fair. I probably should have just judged this book by its cover. Fair. Um, Cry like a man, fighting for freedom from emotional incarceration by Jason Wilson. Cry Like a Man by Jason Wilson. And um, yeah, I ain't gonna lie, Cousin Jeff. I think I'm gonna throw this one on you, man, that you picked this one out. And I think it was on some get back, man, because you say I'm great. I'm, I'm great and then rating the books too heavy. So you gotta you gotta bring me down to reality. <laughs> Give me a cold dose of reality. It don't matter what it is. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna blame it on me. <laughs> And then, bro, and then, brother Jay, I'm pretty sure he knew something about it, man, because the title, the title was too in his lane, man. Emotional incarceration, like that's something, that's something, brother Jay kind of he sit with that and, and break it down and unpack it. So he knew exactly what the hell we was doing when he so, co-signed on your suggestion. So I'm glad you. That, that's what we're gonna kick it off with, right? Off a of title alone, title alone. You know how we normally do. What were you thinking the book was about? I, I knew I knew that it was gonna be about uh, the beautiful train wrecks of our lives as black men. Because mm-hmm. um, the title alone, "Cry Like a Man," is a play off of "Stop Crying Like a Girl" or "Toughen Up." It's it's a play off of uh, kind of this persona and this uh, expectation that. Uh, people have of young black boys forever like you know forever and ever way back forever and ever you know you don't cry don't cry don't cry like a girl show that you're tough by not crying but eventually that boy becomes a man and you have to figure it out and then the emotional incarceration was it was heavy because you know when you when you talk about like uh mental spaces where you're not growing Mm -hmm. and when you're talking about uh, physical incarceration, like, and I, I know for a fact as, you know, just speaking from my personal experience, you know, I've been emotionally, emotionally incarcerated before. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I saw the, when I saw the title, I kind of said, yeah, this isn't this, this, I'm gonna have to uh, probably go see somebody after I read that. (laughs) There. Fair. Yeah, I think just by the title, <clears throat> I knew it was going to be a bit heavy. Um, this this book was exactly what I thought it would be. I would just state that, you know, when this book was selected, because I can't necessarily re- remember, I wasn't looking like at the title of the book. You know, I look for for one thing, and <laughs> I think this book <laughs> accomplished that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> from the from the title, I, like I knew it was gonna be a therapy session. Mm. 
I just like I just I knew that, but I, I also I knew it would it would touch on things that black men or black boys could relate to. So I was anticipating like what this author was going to speak about. I would say that I I was expect from the title alone I was thinking the book was going to be a I I guess you can say a how to like how to cry like a man should be able to like a set of instructions yeah yeah like hey yeah 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 this is how you boom like or why you would need to boom um and so that's what i was thinking i was thinking that like oh we're going to cover like fighting for freedom from emotional incarceration so like how to handle emotions, how to fight for freedom, how to do this, how to do this. Um, and I thought that cry was maybe going to be used like a metaphor of some sort. Instead of a, the actual, you know, act of crying, I thought maybe crying was going to be loosely interpreted into another action that we will learn how to do within the book. Um but as I opened it, right, I I always look at the chapters. And so the chapters were very intriguing. Um, and I liked how he incorporated, you know how sometimes there'll be a chapter and you'll read it and you'll be like, what the hell did the chapter title have to do with like... What, what, what was going on? Yeah, yeah, because in my head, yeah. okay, all right, cool. This is the title of the chapter. And so I'm like reading, thinking that, oh, they about to give it to me. And then you get to the next chapter, like, well, what the hell was the point? Mm -hmm. This, on the other hand, actually, it was a foreshadowing of like what he was really about to discuss mm -hmm. and the thing you were going to leave with. And mm -hmm. I, I appreciated it. So um, on the initial the initial thoughts, right, after you read it, um, what did it give you? What did it leave you wanting more of? And what could you have uh, done without? Yeah, man, I don't think I wanted too much more of anything. And I think <laughs> everything that was provided, <laughs> um, I, I think the message hit home. Uh, you know, just really just hearing about his journey, always being on the cusp of something even more traumatic happening. But the, hearing that small, still voice in his head and him kind of finding his path through religion um, and, and, and really trying to figure out how to navigate if you're not an all-star athlete, if you're not a kingpin drug dealer, if you're not... Um, the biggest, the baddest, the most macho, the toughest man out. How do you navigate when you're none of those things? How do you navigate as a sheep in a in a in a in a, in a uh, forest full of wolves, in a field full of wolves? And that was something for me that really resonated because a lot of his trauma came from 
lack of self-confidence. A lot of his trauma came from um, not receiving acceptance and affirmation from the people or individuals that society traditionally says, you know, as a, as a, as a boy, these are the people that you're supposed to get love from and affirmation from, or these are the people that you're supposed to uh, know that if you encounter them, you're going to receive kindness and care and love and him wrestling through that the entire book, you know, from his parents to his brothers, uh, street expectations, uh, expectations of your family. Uh, and then it was over things that as you grow and you, you get older, you know, a lot of that stuff does not count. You know, you, uh, the virginity, the virginity conversation in the book, right? <laughs> and you know him being him being uh, feeling isolated, but also being the butt of everyone's joke when it got out that he was still a virgin. Now, mind you, this dude is at the time that he's referencing the book. He's like fourteen years old. Like to think that you have a community of grown folks, parents aunties uncles big cousins big brothers your mama. that are your mama your own mother that was and the lot. expect the expectation is that you should have gotten you some already by the age of 14 that was scary to me but i but i i i immediately recognized where a lot of the trauma came from having uh, received similar experiences in my own life not necessarily with that in particular but uh, a, a a different variation of the same lane. Mm-hmm. You you touched on so many <laughs> things like in this book. I think when we talk about, you know, what what do we want more of? What could have been cut out? I think this book had enough of everything that it was provided. The stories gave you enough. I didn't want to be want to be a part of any more of the trauma happening <laughs> per chapter. I'm like, I, I received enough. I got the message. Like, let's let's move on. This book to me was like a journal. Mm. And, you know, I would categorize it as like the story of a black boy and the life occurrences that lead to manhood. It's not that this book like teaches you how to be a man, but it it um goes through like I feel like what black boys go through to get to manhood like how how did I arrive here Mm. and this book made me think about I forget um another book that I read some years ago and it said you can't heal the man if you don't free the boy Mm. and it just was like it's like one of them things like ooh. (laughs) and when you when you read this book and you look at just the amount of death that he had to endure just the amount of people who inadvertently was in and out of his life yeah just how like he was looking for a friend he was looking for a confidant he was looking for a leader and so many times the the people who he was looking for that from they they couldn't really give it to him but he just utilized it at that moment to get him through even going from there you know like he meets this wonderful woman like he goes through his whole like religious journey he doesn't in his heart, he knows what he needs to do, but it just isn't someone to walk him through, like, how mm. do I matriculate 
through this fatherhood thing? How do I matriculate through this, this husband role? This book, <laughs> this book was good. <laughs> and you know, it's rare that I say that. Jesus. That's why I'm smiling. Like, okay. I'm laughing. If I, if I, if I hear, if I hear two and a half fists at the end of this thing, no, I'm going to pull your car. I just want to, Put a hey, brother Jay. That's the disclaimer. Fair, fair. If I get that's if I fair. get two and a half anything, Jeff, I'm just Look, I'm calling I'm calling BS. That's let it. me put my own disclaimer out there. Don't <laughs> let this early commentary <laughs> be a complete indication of <laughs> what this rating is going to be. But again, I think in terms of what was provided, how long the the chapters were, what information was given. It was it was spot on, and I would look at this book as just a, a journal of a black boy. Like if we journal, because we don't even do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I as I was, um, I started reading the paperback for some odd reason. I started reading the paperback, and then I continued via Audible. And I was like, "All right, cool. Let me just let it let it ride out." The narrator had a like relatable voice and it, it connected right and so as as I was hearing the stories I laughed I felt his anger um there was moments where I had to like remember that I was driving so I had to like hit pause because like the emotion the death the the description um when his mother started to decline, that whole whirlwind of events, brother, that had me. That had yeah. me. Like I couldn't, I couldn't. I was just like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And and it was to hear how he exited the tumultuous event on his feet, still walking onward, still pressing upward. It was remarkable to me. Like, you could tell that it it had its it had its effect. It, it mm. you can tell that the book, the story, that experience had its effects on him, but it didn't really deter him from who he was told he was going to be. Um. So I didn't need more of anything. I didn't. I think I needed. Um. I was tired of hearing about uh, his no good father. I really was. I really was. Um, But I knew that it was relevant to where he was taking us. But every, every time, bro, like every time he mentioned his father or his brother's father's name, I knew some shit was about to happen. Like, and there was about to be emotional outbursts disappointment and then anger right that was the pattern and i'm just like man we was doing real good and you had to bring this nigga's name up again we was good we mm-hmm. was good and um but you know what i don't even think it was just the names of his father and his brother's father like the fact that his mother was married three times and divorced three times yeah like so he had to, so even beyond some of the central figures mm-hmm. in the family construct, there were these gentlemen in and out, in and out. that kind of had 
uh, bits and pieces of uh, examples yeah. and neglect. Yeah. But if you if you really examine the narrative that he so eloquently put between the bounds of the book, neglect was the theme of the men who were integral to his life. His older brother kidnapped, mm-hmm. punished, left for dead. That was neglect. Right. His mm-hmm. big brother that I mean his yeah, his big brother that he didn't know about that was living in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Same, 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 de- same, de- same, de- same, de- same thing, yeah. right? Neglect. The men that entered his life, right? Even until his father's dying words, there was still an ounce of neglect. Mm-hmm. Um there was so many things that I jotted down, bro. Like luckily Audible has this button where you can like put it like a little bookmark. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't write, and I was like, ah, if this was Kindle, I could just tap it and it highlight itself. But there were so many things that I wrote down that I really had to, as Jeff says, my favorite phrase, like I really had to sit with it. And there were some things that caused like internal conflict. Like I was like, mm, I don't know, bro. Like there were some scenarios that I could identify with, mm-hmm. but I don't think I would have gracefully executed it the way he did mm-hmm. right like the whole situation with his father i'm just like ooh, you a good one you got it you got a couple jewels in your crown for that one mm-hmm. right and it was the the wedding the chapter of the wedding um chapter 12 i wrote this down now with the life draining out of him he couldn't run away from me anymore mm-hmm. and i was like god <laughs> like to think, right? And they still had beef after that. Bro. That, <laughs> so it, in my head, I was like, okay, cool. Maybe the father's turning to leave. Maybe the father's like, yo, I got one foot in this bucket I'm about to kick. Maybe, may, you know, I'm going to show up. And I was like, okay. But in my head, I was like, one, I wouldn't have invited the nigga. Like, he wouldn't have got, mm-hmm. a, he wouldn't have got mm-hmm. an invitation. Like, that's, a, that's, exactly. a, that's $110 yeah. a plate. No, yeah. we're not doing that. You're not, no. So I was like, all right, cool, whatever. But then, like you said, Kevin, when he gets a phone call being accused of taking his dad's credit card, I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have been the last straw for me. Bro. Yeah. The, I, it, it, was, it, it was a roller coaster. And I, I would say um, it, it made me purchase his new book halfway through. I was like, I have to, I gotta, I gotta go with him along this journey. Um, had I got to the end of the book, I probably wouldn't have bought the second one because, you know, I'm still emotionally scarred because those last few chapters really took a lot out of me. Yeah. Like just just the vivid description of the the decline of his mother and the figure that the mother held and the conflict that he had to you know, wrestle with as he was making that decision and going back and forth. And then like the detail of the son, it was, I really was interested to find out why Sinclair Jr. Stayed away for 15 years. Yeah. They never came back. Yeah. Until she actually got sick. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, 
they kept telling the story, but I was like, nah, player, I, you you didn't you didn't grazed over that. I need you. I need more. I need you to sit in this with me right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we. Never- I think I think it was probably because you know they said early in the book that he was going to a counselor, a therapist back in like the seventies. Mm. That's unheard of in black households. You know what I'm saying? So I think it, I think it could have been a combination of everything, you know, just stuff from years prior. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a uh, radical transition into Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you put distance between you and your family, you know, Detroit to Austin, Texas, I believe mm-hmm. that's a lot of distance. And sometimes you might just stay away because going there visiting takes you back to that place. Yeah, it's possible, but I, I wish they had uh, uh, elaborated on the specifics why he stayed away so long. Just a little bit more. Just a little yeah. Bit. What? Um, I know you all wrote down some things, or you highlighted, or you you tapped the book a couple of times when you read something like, mm, "What were some of those? What were some of those moments?" whether they was like good moments, whether it was like, this is some shit moments. Like what, what were some of those moments? Mm, some of the, 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 some of the funny moments uh, was his kind of let down around sports, trying to play football and actually being pretty good, but losing and, and kind of <laughs> the oversized shoulder pads. <laughs> yeah. The oversized shoulder pads and stuff. It's like, yo dude, you know, things that he, things that I, I get why he did it. But um, him still never really uh, overcoming that apex, overcoming that hill, mm-hmm. and and really uh, kind of hearing a lot of his stories as as an adolescent, you know, just trying to fit in and trying to find your place, you know, trying to figure out um, how to approach and talk to talk to girls and talk to women and and how to how to. Uh, you know, get all of the things, all of the things that his heart desired, uh, without being a drug dealer or a professional athlete. Right. Um, I, you know, I, the, because those are the same conversations and some of the same scenarios I, I, I found myself in, you know, at, at 14, 15, 16, <laughs> 17, you know, all, all of the, all of the kind of lighter moments in the book. But I think um, what I also wrote down was just the, the love and the care that he had for his father in the book, though they were uh, estranged and they had a very complex relationship because that was the same thing that I had to go through with my own father, mm-hmm. being estranged and then getting a call one day that you know, he's ill, you might want to come and see him after not hearing from him for, I guess, before that. And it, it, it had been five years, mm-hmm. five or six years since I had last saw him. And then me uh, going to his bedside on his deathbed and him like confessing, <laughs> like apologizing for time missed and things like that. So that part of the book really, um, really did impact me in a special way, because, you know, when you talk about love and forgiveness, like a lot of the resentment that I held in my heart for my father um, I, I was able to, I was fortunate enough to say that I was able to understand and let go of a lot of it prior to him passing away mm-hmm. and prior to his health declining. But I think that concept of honoring your parents, honoring thy mother and thy father, it doesn't necessarily mean you got to accept a lot of the baggage or even abuse that they may put on you. Yeah. But to honor them just means to, you know, respect 
and identify and recognize that, oh, well, this is without this person, I would not be in the world. Yeah. And so for that alone, you are to be honored, especially when you're at your most vulnerable state. And so him kind of processing that and the challenges around it, I went through the exact same experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I was <laughs> sitting here trying to not highlight more of the heavy stuff that he he stated but it was just I don't know so you know when I'm reading something what I most like about an author is when you write in a way that just paints a picture that we can just vividly like see it we can be within that moment I think there are so many things in this book where I was just like I can just I can see it Mm -hmm. um whether it has happened to me or someone that is close to me, but being black growing up, like, I'm like, yeah, I have been there or, or felt as if I have been in that situation. You know, he, he says on uh, page 42, after the, the divorce, my father unknowingly redefined my identity from beloved son to burdensome boy. I was just like, Ooh, like, I mean, to be so young and to, you know, you may, you may, and when it all played out, you didn't feel like this divorce was your fault, but because of it, now you've become a burden and all you really wanted was to be loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I just thought that was just so, that that's, that's a lot for a, a kid to go through at such a young age. But I think also for him to to recall it in that manner, it just it just made you feel for like the boy in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. And just hoping that <laughs> that you truly healed from it. I mean, and as you walk through the book, like I feel like he has healed from it. But just imagine walking around with that type of weight for just so long, and you're not necessarily noticing it, but it's affecting everything you do. It's affecting the friends you keep. It's affecting your relationships. It's reflect, affecting your own relationship with your mother or with just other um, men who come in your, your mother's life who you can't really appreciate because you're still dealing with what you and your dad's relationship. Yeah. I, mm, <laughs> I, I, and I'll give just one more. Another one um, that I thought w- w- was was good was... He says on page a lot, a lot. Of, I would say this: a lot of stuff that I highlighted was about like him and his father's like dynamic. I just, like you said, he talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that that is something that has weighed heaviest um, to him. Um, I think page thirty-eight. It said, uh, "No man should tout that he's the head of his house when he is rarely there to help make it a home." That was dope. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. L- lived through that. Um, yeah, and, and, and what I'll say from, from that standpoint, which I think to a certain extent, inadvertently, um, it has been discussed in, in my own household. It's like, you know, growing up where my father worked at night. So during the day, he would sleep. Um, so that just meant like a lot of time of just essentially freedom. You, you're doing your own thing. And then when you, you do have time to do stuff together, it's almost like, 
who who are you? You ain't been. This is what I do. Yeah. You know why you are doing, but not really, you know, being young, not really understanding that dynamic mm -hmm. and just you're, you're feeling neglect opposed to feeling like this person is sheltering me. So it, it was just things where I was like, ooh, been there, <laughs> done that. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff. I had a lot and I, I won't, I won't share all, but, um, chapter three, when it said a father's affirmation is foundational to a son's confidence. And I was like, mm, okay, Jason, I'm with you. Let's roll with it. Let's roll mm -hmm. with it. You got me, brother. You got me. Um, chapter four, when he said boys are taught to withstand the strain of holding in their tears, suppressing them until it hurts. Eventually they grow into men who fear appearing vulnerable a fate no respecting man can live with. And then I I sat with that when I was like, huh. Oh. Cause we don't know, right? If if I got to hold in like big because we all heard big boys don't cry, big boys don't cry, boys don't cry, boys don't cry, right? No matter the situation. And I remember I remember being at a funeral and and young boys were like holding it in because they were told. Boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. And it got to the point where it was like the pressure just got too much and you just heard a wail. One of the young boys just let out a wail and it was it it was a painful thing to experience because he didn't like no one was there to put their arm around them to like help them process like yo i've been where you are i don't know what you're feeling but i i felt something similar like no one was there and so you just had just they just had to wail and i was like yeah because they don't really know like if i if i let out this cry then i'm going to appear to be weak and i got this i got this image to portray i got this 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 standard to uphold that i can't show weakness or emotion and it, it, the decimation of a man occurs when you don't allow the boy to properly deal with, feel, experience everything that everything that he encounters provides him. Right? Those tears become bullets. Yeah. And those tears, tears become behavior. Yeah. Those tears become, um, you know, lifestyles that will put your life in harm and jeopardy and bad decisions for mm -hmm. pride, regret, yeah. pride, pride. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That's all what it's about. Yeah. And you know, that story resonated with me that you just told about the funeral, because I think it was like fifth or sixth grade. Um, it was like an older cousin mm -hmm. passed away randomly aneurysm. Um, I was at this funeral first time, I ain't first time I've been on a funeral, but first time, like, I remember, like, actually, like, crying. Fifth or sixth grade, when I tell you I was bawling at this funeral, bawling, I didn't know, like, what's going on with me. I just knew it was just this overwhelming, like, emotion, like, coming over me, and I remember my mom, like, boy, like, what's wrong with you? 
And I'm like, I don't know what's like, a lot going on. Like, what is this? What's happening right now? It was the pressure. It was the pressure of the and, event. Yeah, and, and I just think when you just don't, to your point, when, when you don't allow yourself to not even grieve, just be emotional mm. in, in whatever uh, space that is. Whether yeah, that's to feel happy, whatever whatever you need to feel. Hey. And, yeah. and just like freeing yourself, it, it, it does a lot for you because to bottle that up, it's just, it's not good. Because it, you can't control when it gets released. Right. You can't, right. you you cannot control it. Right. You think you can, you like the young boys at the funeral, you think that, you know, I, I'm good. You know, we about to be out. I can, I, I, I got an hour. We get to the graveyard and I can go home and I can do what I need to do. But no. Right. The emotion becomes your master because we haven't learned how to master our emotions. Sir. And you become a, a prisoner by. Yes. Yes, you do. And um, chapter seven, he when they were talking about um, the, um, the virginity thing. Right. And he says he compromised his moral code to satisfy a guy, a group of guys that at some point have been pressured into doing the same. And then I just kept thinking about like everyone that shows the pressure has already been put under the pressure. And so Mm -hmm. it's like this cycle that keeps repeating itself. And so you, no matter how hard you try to shield or deflect the, uh, deflect the pressure from reaching either your son or anyone around you, it's the law of influence based on the sphere of influence, right? Somebody within that sphere is going to want you to do something because they were forced to do it. And because they don't want to be the only one right now, we got a group. Now we're a community, right? A common unity. Now, now we've all done this thing together, even though we didn't really want to. And I was laughing because I was like, I wonder how many really had the conversation of like, I didn't really want to do it that way, but you know, I was told that this is what I needed to do. Right. The constant pressure. Um, chapter 11. Thinking that that's maturity, thinking that, that, you know, you, that's all, you know, and you think like, this is how it's done. And to be honest, the person who, who did that to you was just as young and and just as ill-informed about this world. And they just doing what, well, so-and-so did it to me. Yeah. And you just, like you said, you continue in a cycle yeah. for the sake of, well, this is what happened to me. Yeah. Or you're trying to, uh, you're trying to uh, feel the deficit when your whole family laughing at you when you're 14 years old, your mother included. That was a lot. Because you're a virgin. That was, that was, that was heavy. So you do it, you do it. To, so he said, nobody's going to laugh at me again. Right. And he, yeah, he talked about if he could just be invisible so he wouldn't have to like experience that. Yeah. And that was a heavy moment. Cause I'm just like, damn, not even your, like your mother was laughing. Yeah. But it, it, then I had the question was like, well, maybe the mother was like, well, you know, at this moment I can't, I can't be the nurturer. Like he gotta, he gotta get it how we live it. Right. And so it was, it was a lot. I processed a lot and I was like, Hmm. Did any- but his mother had been through so many, so many traumatic experiences. So the the behavior, I, I connected the behavior to her own trauma. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, trauma, that. trauma that like it was like it was like double Dutch with her yeah. traumatic experiences. 
after she got out of one, she was willfully jumping into something else. And that, that, oh, that's a conversation for another day, how trauma begins (laughs) trauma, right? Um, Chapter 11, he says, I think the vast majority of us wrestle relentlessly, fearful that if we live by the light within us, it will expose the darkness in us to those that are around us. Insecurity, Mm self-hate, unresolved anger. I'm just like, whoa, whoa. I like, I read it over and over again. And then I went back to chapter eight right before they were trying to do the B and E job. Mm-hmm. And he said, but the push and, Oh no, he said divine intervention, saving me from actually committing a crime. But cause somebody was at the house. Yeah. He said, but yeah. the push and the pull of my corruptible side continued to challenge the good in me. There was light in my heart, but the shade covering it came from the company I was keeping. And for B and E jobs, any sort of light tends to work against you. And I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Any sort of light tends to work against you when you are operating from the dark side. Whoa. The shade covering came from the company I was keeping. Yeah. That was heavy. And I thought, and I connected that to the bachelor party night. Yeah. When he went to the strip club and he was conflicted. So he goes outside and then like just, when he recounts the dialogue between him and his soon to be wife, I was in my head. I was like, okay. So I was thinking several things. First, I was like, whoa, chill, relax. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought that was blown out of proportion from her, my, from her, yeah, from her side, yeah, from like, her side. Yeah. I thought it was blown bit. out of proportion. Last yeah. little bit. Like he, like, relax to like have a conversation, but like you can say, wow, I didn't know that's what you were planning on doing, but like to throw, it was, it was throwing some digs. Right. So, and that was, then he thought he was going to hell. He like, he thought he was going to hell as a result. Yeah. And then she talked about, I thought I was marrying a man of integrity or something like that. And I was just like, Oh, you tried it. You, you tried it. Yeah, that might get like given who she was. It was on brand, to be honest with you. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like this. This dialogue, the church decision thing. That instance, Uh, and it was another instance. I was like, yo, she really pumping it, right? She's trying it. She's trying it. Like that. But the conversation about the strip club that would have got cake smashed in your face at the reception, like with some aggression. (laughs) With some aggression, like I'm a push and smear. Like you tried it. Don't. I I didn't like how his character was being attacked in that moment. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But but I it went back to the shade covering it came from the company I was keeping. And then thinking about um I'm trying to think who died in chapter eleven. Pull out my notes right quick. Um was that Keith? The Keith died. Yeah, that was Keith. Yeah, that yeah, I think that was Keith. Keith. Yeah, the 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 brother, brother, half brother. Yeah, when he said, yeah. "Is it possible to idolize a man who has everything to lose and yep, winds up Keith. with nothing to give?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I said, "God, dog." That just the type of question because it was like, "Hmm, how often do we idolize individuals when really their contrib- their contribution to humanity has been nil?" Yeah. Yeah. It it was a lot, man. This this book was it. I thought it was a good read. I still haven't fully recovered from the last few chapters. Um, I, I yeah, 
I just you know something that I thought was interesting again when I talk about it being a black boy's journal. Because remember what happened on his twenty first birthday? They have the surprise uh party in the basement. Oh hey, oh yeah, get robbed. No, I don't think it's when oh, oh no 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 I take that back. He got uh he got when he got put in jail. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Said, why is it so often that being black and being an adolescent, there's always a some some part of your story. If you haven't went to jail, you have been in cuffs before. Mm-hmm. There is an but encounter he, with police. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And I just said, I said, look at it playing out in this book <laughs> on a day where you you know you are celebrating. I mean, and to be honest, making it to this age mm-hmm. uh, alone. He lives at yes. Yeah. He. You know, he didn't talk about... Up the street from he, Black Mafia family. Right. He talked about his one friend who uh, passed away. I forget her name. Um, but... Kelly? He didn't really go into, like, all his friends. Dying. Obviously, his close family members. But a lot of those folks probably never even reached the age of 21. Yeah. So to meet that milestone, you're just trying to have a good time. And look where you end up at. Yeah. I, I think it, it just... It went through this trauma of... You know, I'm trying to kind of do the right thing. I'm not a, I'm not an awful person. I probably don't make the best decision every time. But why is it always like this is this hurdle that I have to jump over? And I can see how someone like him easily slips into like depression, easily like loses their mind, easily relies on like drugs or alcohol. Because they just feel like, look, it's always going to be some, something or someone out there to stop me from living a, and I say fruitful life, just like a cool, easy life, being a a black man or, or a black boy. Every aspect of his life, there was a challenge, man. But it's crazy because I identified with so many of them. And, you know, he, he I guess he's 10 years my senior, at least. 10, 15 years of my senior, it was like similar stories. That's the sad part, though. Yeah. It, to it, your point, Jeff, that's the sad part. And yeah. it was it was very relatable. Even if yeah. it was some things that we couldn't personally identify with, we know someone, like, directly who has identified with it. Yeah. Um. But it, it was kind of sad. It was kind of sad to see that just by living another day, the trauma and the woes of the world, like the pressure that was that was like against him every day. Like and I I would be after a while you got used to it, if you were listening to the audible, like you could hear the excitement in the the narrator's voice when something good was happening, and then mm-hmm. yeah, if, yeah. He, if he was giving too much detail, you bought you were like, "Oh shit, it's about yeah, to, it's man. about to go bad from here." Like the lost, even and we didn't touch upon this earlier, but the lost of like unborn children, Oof. neglect, right? Like yeah. it was a constant theme of neglect and like the triumph through it. It was mm-hmm. it was a lot, bro. Like I felt. When to find out that his wife had two uh two uteruses and like one was bad, one was good, but mm-hmm. they didn't want to make a mistake, so they left both of them in there. And I was just yeah. like, "This Dude, is I a gotta, lot." I, I need counseling after this. Man. This was a lot. I do, I do. 
I do that, that, and then, or then he'll say, you know, the next chapter, it's like, yeah, but she finally, she's got, he, she got a message from God and now she coming to my church. <laughs> <laughs> like it would be like, that would be the cadence. If you listen to the audible, no, you know, that, that would be the cadence. <laughs> yeah. That's my man, big D. He could he could lift 200, 200 pound dumbbells with one arm. <laughs> you know what I thought was good though, even even with him not having, I won't say like good role models. I think he had like some good people in his life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he had the best role models to kind of steer him. I thought the way how he handled, um, and I'm more so speaking to the beginning of his relationship with Nicole I thought the way that he like went about it was so uncharacteristic of someone in those situations I think given who he was it was a part of him it was a part of his brand but um you know as I read uh a few things it said he says it was simple genuine acts of kindness eventually unlocked her heart it's like he understood, you know, I don't have to be macho. I don't have to conform to these societal um, things of you got to have like a super nice car. You got to be whining and dining or whatever, you know, women need it. Well, you perceive that they need it from um, the social space during that time. It was like, no, simple things is like, oh, let me help you out with this meal plan. Let me um, help you out with X and and really just trying to be a good friend. It was just unlocking those doors to her heart, which I thought, I thought that that was key for someone who just had not been taught that. Well, he had bought it. He had bought into the opposite. It it just didn't bring him fulfillment. Yeah, true. So, you know, in that case, when his wife, he, he tried something different. He tried something different that, you know, he, nobody, that, but there was nobody around him to tell him to try something different. Right. That's the, that was, that was, I guess that's probably the most painful uh, piece of the book for me was that I think either the lack of not having that steady voice and that fatherly figure in his life that he could confide in and trust, he got bits and pieces of the message from different people but I think that was his way of um, his walk mm. with his walk with, with, with God and his walk with his religion and his beliefs. That was his way because I, I think he truly believed that the things that he was lacking, like God was there. Mm-hmm. That's why, yeah, yeah. He was, you know, he, he didn't say Jesus. He said, Yeshua, or yeah. he just called him. Yeah. And I just like if you listen to that on the audible, that joint is annoying because <laughs> like for some reason who, I keep thinking like Soldier Boy. Or something yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I keep you know, but I think that also the 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 deficits and the in the gaps. He he had an understanding that yeah, it was something bigger than him that encouraged him to learn the lesson, mm-hmm. where there was nobody physically there to help him maneuver through the lesson. And that was cold. That was cold to me, but I, I'm just like, to your point though, and I think both of you touched on this, man, I just felt, I felt bad for the boy in him, mm. the boy in myself. And, and, you know, depending on who's in your life at the right moment or the right time, that legit determines the man that you become. 
Yeah. And it's too much room. It's too much room to chance in the cases with black boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, um, it was, it was, it was a very descriptive journey that we all can relate to. Um, so I, I, I'm looking forward to reading the next one, his, his next book. Um, we ain't gonna do that next though, right? Right. <laughs> we'll give it like a couple. Look, we gonna save Ron it. The one who wanted to do, let's let's dive in. To right. <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go I, ahead and read it. I'll just wait to discuss it with I, you all. You know, I, just, I you know I I I wouldn't mind it, but I'm just like you. You know, need a break. You need a break. I, I this was heavy, man. It this was. was heavy. We we went from Rick Ross to this man. Like yo, I didn't. Oh. I need an in between. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. It was. It was. <laughs> It was, but I think to that point, Kevin, I think this was a slap in the face to let us know that even though this is heavy, this is still our reality. Absolutely. Right. And like, as I was processing and like fighting back some of the tears as I was driving, when he was going into like the final moments with his mother, um, I'm like, shit, man, that like many people have endured this and many people will have to endure this no matter like I may think it's heavy now, but like if, if, if I have to endure this, like the, reading about it, ain't going to be nothing and experiencing it. And so like, it's, I think that was the beautiful part of this book. Like, yes, it was traumatic. Yes, it was, it was heavy, but it was like, this is what we as black men have gone through. And to some extent, we'll continue to go through until we are yes. able to reverse the curse. I had a, a quick question based off of um, when when he was married and he had uh, just like the friend. So on page one twenty one, oh. it said. <laughs> Oh yeah, he was stupid, but okay. I, I, yeah. I just want to know: do you do you agree? Do you not agree? What are your thoughts? I mean, this is the thing, right? Like he tried. So for so for the for the village, what what uh, okay. cousin Jeff is referring to? I was going to read the line. Go ahead. Oh go yeah, ahead. Go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Read the yeah. Go ahead. Read the line. So he says, "But I believe having a relationship with anyone of the opposite sex without your spouse's permission is wrong." Now that's what I was going to ask about, but feel free to kind of that whole scenario that was going on kind of the the setup was shady this this all right what you're saying i i don't necessarily think it should be a thing right like you should be able to have be friends with whomever you want to be friends with as long as it's not you're not bringing reproach to your marriage or your situation facts so you know that so i i don't necessarily agree with like you know uh, your your wife or your woman shouldn't shouldn't be able to say, oh, you can only be friends with X, Y, and Z. Now nah, I'm a grown man. Be friends with who I want to be friends with. However, <laughs> however, the point is, without her knowing about it, you know what I'm saying? Like if it's some, it, and and so the scenario that the question was derived, um, there's a scene in the book where uh, Jason befriends a woman that he's doing not only work work for in their home, but also as a friend of the church and church. He's doing so, labor. So he's doing labor, but they're also having 
um, discussions about Jesus and God and becoming a better disciple. Yeah, close close friend. friend. Someone that speaks to her almost daily. Daily. But this this is the thing. Now, so this is the thing, Jeff. When he said that he speaks to her almost daily, and then when he said that it was consistent, and your wife don't know about it, like yo, you you kind of you kind of you bringing a knife to a gunfight, G. I got you. Got to be a little smarter than that. And it was because a butter the, knife. Yeah, because the ill thing. Yeah, dull butter knife too, man. Because <laughs> the ill thing is your lady. Your lady gonna be mad. Because she don't know. And then her biggest thing is, oh, well, you can talk to her about X, Y, and Z. Why? What you need her for when you got me? I'm telling you, man, I seen it. I seen all this before, Jeff. I seen all of it. So he should have known better. Ronald, what's your thoughts? I So it was a lot for me. It was, um, so I was cool with it up until he said, after the work was done, we consistently spoke every day. Every day, man. And this is what we talked about. So in my head, I heard, "Mm, there could be a resistance to any type of approach, but consistence breaks resistance. And so being real mindful, my perception is my reality. And I don't know the mindset of the young lady. I don't know where he was as the young lady. I just know I have married friends, right? I'm fr- I'm friends with them. They're married. I'm not finna talk to them every day. I'm not. I'm 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 just not. Like one, I'm just not. Like there's a level of respect and even even if we like chat over like social media, it's not going to be a conversation like every day. Man, you cuz if I'm married, the only the only woman that I need to be talking to every day unless I don't report to them at work or have to work with them. <laughs> Is my wife, man. Every day. <laughs> Yo. And then he talking about, yeah, we talking about fellowshipping and, and and then you, but you, but you sitting up there mad because your wife don't want to come to your church. She want to stick to her dad's church. And, but you talking to another woman in your church yeah. on a consistent basis. And you probably revealed that your wife don't want to come to your church. And so like you lie, revealing man. all of Yo, your frustrations just... <laughs> in my head, I was like, bro, this is a, this is a recipe for disaster. Now. Another thing where he messed up. He should have checked his boy that left that voicemail. Yeah, man. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he should have deleted it. Yeah, man. He should have checked him to say, hey, bro, like, simmer down. You like, got to chill, G. You are you know what it is. Whether it's friendly banter or not, there's a there's a line. Say that to my face, like, leave no trail. But going back to Kevin's part. If his wife would have known that he was having these types of conversations or engagements with this woman, then the voicemail wouldn't have been seen as a threat. I agree. Um, And and my thoughts, I think they are kind of a mix between what you all are saying. Uh These are Jeffrey's rules. Okay, you know, (laughs) number one, as in Jeff, man, about to break out the two and a half (laughs) rule, two and a half, section B. (laughs) One is it ain't no uh, my wife friends versus my friend, we all got the same friends. Mm. What I mean by that is this your friends are my friends, my friends are your friends. We don't have no secret friends. I think when there is transparency, there is no room for, oh, who is this? Or what's going on? I think to what you said earlier, if he had stated, hey, this is such and such. I'm friends with her. I did. 
I feel like his wife would have been like, okay, cool. Or again, for me, because this this how I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be on the phone. Oh, who who that? Tell him I said what's up. We need to hang out. Put him on speak. Like this, this is our friend. This ain't no. Uh, can I? Can I? Secret? No, because I got my second rule. Hold on. Let Uh-oh. me let me let me let me okay. put the first rule right. <laughs> time so, out. Ronald need a time. I need out. a time out. This got heavy. This got heavy. I was stressed out. I saw the shot clock winding down. So. I want to see clarity just to know where you're going. So um, you're dating a girl named, uh, what's your, what's your fiance's name? Celaya. Celaya, right? So if Celaya has a friend and y'all, y'all married now, right? So Celaya has a friend, like do Celaya's friends automatically become your friends? Mm-hmm. It ain't, it ain't no, these, my, and what I mean by that is just that I may not be calling them every day. I may not be texting them. I'm just like, I am aware of who they are. So they're not she your may, friend. You just know that they are. You Celaya's know them through friends. your fiance. Yes, but we, I still you, consider You're considering them friends. like married in friends. Like, you, they know yeah, about not, me. I know about them. We, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's, that's it's not, not strangers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fair. Fair. Okay. Fair. So that's legit. That sounds a lot better because what you yeah. said at first, I was like, I'm not taking on my wife's. I ain't gonna friends. lie, man. I won't gonna take them. I I'm not taking them. them. Like I don't. I, I don't. I, I'm not gonna nah, because I may not like them, and so I'm not gonna call them friend. I will say these are my wife's friends. Like and like, there's no surprises. Their friends know about me. I know about her friends. Am I gonna say, oh? These are our friends. No, 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 no. Now, if we make friends as a couple, then I will say these are our. Right. And I, I think that's, to me, it's, it is semantics. But I think when you get married and you start doing stuff, it's not, unless it's like a group of women, okay, go and do that. But it's not, oh, I'm hanging out with my friends and their significant others. Like, these are just my friends. Nah, I'm coming too. Because I want to laugh at the jokes too. I want to know what, and, and, and again, this, this is vice oh, like versa. This, this is not just on that side. It's on the flip side. Oh, as well. shit. Like it's, it's a, it's a transparent, but again, my rules, this is my situation. You're right. But even, right. But even what you described you. though, Jeff, that's not what he did though. Then no, I, no, I agree. That's the I difference. Agree. And I, and I, and so with that, like, yo, for real, if, if, if you, if you, if your old lady, old man don't know about it, yo, man, <laughs> you, 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 I, and, and well, I it's agree. a slippery slope. I agree with her blowing up. It's like, who, wait, who, who? So I, 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 I would have, the, the blow up, I think was a little much. Y- yes. The U-Haul and the clothes, that whore deal. Oh I yeah, think, she put them out. Yeah, yeah she I put think that was a bit that. much. No, 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 no. She set his stuff by the door. He got a U-Haul and, and he moved to his mother's house. Fair, right? Yeah, I think that whole yeah. situation, but once again, that could have been resolved had he said, mm-hmm. this is Lottie. From church. Dottie. <laughs> Lottie Dottie from church. We like mm-hmm. to party. <laughs> we don't cause trouble. We don't bother nobody. <laughs> yeah. All we doing is talking about Jesus. That's <laughs> all we doing. <sighs> yeah. Wait, but my second rule was uh-huh. obviously first one. Mine is we all had the same friends again. It's just, it's transparency. It's no like secret friends that no one hasn't heard about mm-hmm. um the other one is i can't even read my own handwriting because you know i had to write this down as y'all was talking <laughs> um oh i wouldn't 
put like this, I would never do something where I feel as if my partner wouldn't like it if they like if they were there. So as as he's having those conversations doing that, if in my heart, I'm like, she ain't gonna like this. I would immediately be like, nope, this can't go down because I know she wouldn't feel comfortable with this. And, and same thing, vice versa, like, you know, act as if I'm there. Mm-hmm. don't be doing nothing oh what you know he ain't here so i'm a that, that's like my like two rules i feel like when when both parties are abiding by those rules you don't this situation that came up in the book you don't have that because you just you just know like look they ain't really for this and you and, and let me just say this you have some couples who they're okay with that so if you know who you with they cool with that fine go ahead and do that but but if you know if they call a whiff of what's going on and mm-hmm. they ain't gonna be cool, that is an indication that you need to stop right now. Yeah, and you're gonna be crying like a man. <laughs> <laughs> For real. <laughs> but I think that comes through like the conversation and the communication that he was talking about that he wasn't really taught how to do in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like And I, neither was she for real, based on like their interactions. Geez, she was a lot. There was a yeah, few man. times I would have been like, bro, just I think you better let it go. Mm. Hey. <laughs> it All preachers kids like that, man. Jesus. Ooh, and look, you you touching on something I'm gonna say it may not be well, I'm just gonna say unpopular opinion. Okay. I thought for her dad to be a pastor he should have acted a lot better than what he was doing as a father figure in her life. So as they were, he didn't, I guess he, he kind of touched on some of this stuff, but as she was going through stuff and obviously this whole church thing, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? They didn't ask you to say your advice, but a good parent going to say, I know you don't want to hear this, but this, what you, this is what, you know, I think you should do X, Y, and Z. I think he, I mean, to be honest, in that whole situation with the church thing, because I, I feel like he alluded to, you know, he didn't want to step on no toes and he he didn't want to um, break the relationship he had with his daughter. That's your daughter. She going to always be there. I feel like how he laid that out, like th- that relationship was secure. Mm-hmm. I think for him to understand the importance of family dynamics, mm-hmm. he should have been more in his daughter's ear about her and her husband attending the same church and like why that's important like their religion and their faith but he he didn't and i'm not putting this on him but it's just like i would just think as a pastor he would have more uh experience just from whether it's his own marriage or just other people's marriages of you know what this is my key to step in and just say hey these are my thoughts this is what i'm seeing Mm-hmm. And let me just give you some wisdom from what I've experienced. I remember I was dating a girl and um, she was out of town for the weekend. And I said I was going to uh, the my pastor in college was speaking in a different state. And I was like, oh, yeah, we going to X, Y, and Z. She said, you going where? <laughs> I was like, I'm going, uh, I'm going to X, Y, and Z with, you know, pastor speaking. She was like, Mm-mm, I'm out of town. I was like, what does... You being out of town have to do with me going to support the pastor. And then she was like, mm, I'm going to meet y'all there. I was like, what? And when we get there, I now I could, from her perspective, she was like, mm-mm. And you a musician? I, mm-mm, no. 
Mm-mm. I don't need people. Was this in Atlanta doing like freak Nick Tom? I wasn't that old. So see, you tried it. You tried it. Nope. I'm <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's not what it was. But she was like, no, you're not going because like, like here's the thing. And she said, from a woman's perspective, like women love to see a man, you know, in church doing this worship thing and, and you a musician. And so any chance they're going to get to talk to you about the Lord, they're going to try. And I was like, oh, okay. But I'm like, I, she goes, yeah, she goes, see, but you too nice when they come up and talk to them. Like you'll, you'll dismiss them, but you don't dismiss them fast enough. So you dismiss them and there's a delay for them to think that there's room for them to keep doing it. Whereas she was like me on the other hand, I'm just going to be right there and I'm going to like box out. So they know like mm-mm, three second violation. Show man, church sound like the club, man. <laughs> <laughs> that joint sound been? like, that joint sound like. Have you been? Park. Have you been lately? Fourteenth, man. <laughs> Bro. And so in my head, I was like, yo, that's kind of overreacting. But then like hindsight is 40, 40. I was like. 4040. 2020. Uh 4040 is the club. See where I'm That's going? Jay-Z club. See, see, same thing. Yeah, God, my mind. 40 days, 40 nights. See? See? Same thing. I was going back to the example. I'm like, mm, that was a lot, but I could see the woman's pers- uh, perspective. Like, what grown woman is going to want to have these conversations with a with a married man on a day-to-day basis? Somebody that's plotting, trying to find her bow ass. Basically. <laughs> a clean up woman is a woman who <laughs> gets all the love that the girls left behind. That's what hey, Betty man. Wright said. Hey, man. Yeah. So, all right. So, overall, it's time for the rating on Cry Like a Man by Jason Wilson, fighting for freedom from emotional incarceration. On the Black Power Fist scale, Kevin, don't let us down. Hey man, I'm I'm giving I'm giving it four and a half fists, man. Okay, I'm giving it four and a half fists. I would have gave it a five if it had more um, solutions. Identified the problem. Identified all the problems. Okay, but maybe he did it on purpose because he wanted us to go and do read his, buy a second book. But I, I I give it four out of five because four out of five or four were, and a half out of five. I'm I'm sorry four uh, four four and a half out of five. Okay. Okay. Because um, the stories were real. Um, I think that emotional incarceration is something that um, we all go through, and it's something that he said on a podcast that I was listening to, that it's not toxic masculinity, or masculinity, or hyper masculinity. It's just masculine, masculinity, and it's how you define it and how the people in your surroundings define it mm. and how those definitions are able to reconcile. And so, you know, mm. if, you, if, you're, if you come up in a traumatic, toxic environment, then what, what kind of masculinity are you going to be exposed to? Yeah. Right? And a lot of times I think our, our, our timid egos and pride and, and uh, pride and insecurities, you know, feed into that masculinity. But, you know, we, 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 we are not um, programmed or trained to deal with those emotional, the, those emotional issues and twists and turns in a productive manner. Yeah. 
right? And and that's that's part of the problem. But that starts as a tyke, as a little boy. Yeah. And eventually, that boy is gonna become a man. And so, um, relevant, definitely. Uh, it's a lot of nuggets that were out there that I want to go back and read it again. I'll probably get a second book. But um, yeah, four and a half fists, man. It was. It, it was. A, it's definitely a good read and um, a, a book that you can go back and refer to. Absolutely, absolutely. Cousin Jeff, here we go. Well, you know, that, that rating is consistent for Kevin. <laughs> that was a dig, yo. Why, why would he get his lane to shine and it's time to shine, man? He taking a dig at me. Like I'm the softy on the board. The shade but, covering it but, came from the company but, I was keeping. Chapter yes, but, see? <laughs> at the same time, this is a rare occasion where I would agree with him on his rating. Oh. And I, too, think that his book got... We recording this, right, Brother Jay? We recording, yeah. <laughs> okay, just checking, just checking. Go ahead, Cousin Jeff, go ahead. I think this book got four and a half um, fists. I wanted to really give it five. I mean, I think by far this is, this is probably my the my favorite book that we've read just because it, it wasn't about it just being like heavy. I just thought it was relatable. Mm-hmm. I like the, the tone. Um, that it, it spoke into like it wasn't too long it gave you enough information obviously but there were certain things that we wanted to learn a little bit more about but just from I think start to finish I was just like this is a good book and to be honest I never even really read these prologues but I actually did it on this book um one of the things that I highlighted in the prologue is when he says so you're talking about boys men when we vent, we're perceived as complainers. When we hurt, we're, we're wimps. When we're tired, we're, we're being lazy. When we fight, we're rebels. When we're discouraged, we're depressed. When we hesitate, we're double-minded. And when, we're cry, when we cry, we're soft. I just, I was like, ooh. I really feel like he was just tapped into <laughs> these emotions as just, and, I, and I'm, I'm, when I say Black men, Black boys, I'm black, so I, I don't know how it is for another race. But being a black person, I feel like he was tapped into and was spot on on the language that was being utilized in this book. I would recommend this book for anyone to read. Um, obviously, the highest recommendation would be for just black men, because I think he in telling his own story, he highlights a lot of things that you've went through or you currently just going through. It's not going to give you a solution to the problem, but I feel like it's going to help you uncover like an issue that you may have. You like, you know what? I'm always aggressive or I always can't find these words. I think it's because of X. Now, the onus is going to be on you to, to go and, and do that work to repair that. But this is a great starting point to say to identify what what is your, your theme? And when I say, what is your thing? It can be you singularly as a person. It can be how you deal with family. It can be how you deal with friends, how you, how you are in relationships, how you are as like a sibling. Um, but yeah, four out of five. It was a great book. Shocked. There was no band. And no hey, hey, to the village, man, this is a first. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why it was snowing this morning. Um, I'm telling you, man. 
I I agree with everything that you all said. I will say that this um, is on the list of favorite books to read. And uh, it was timely. It was relevant. No matter when you read it, no matter the age you read it, you're going to be able to find something from it. Um, <clears throat> and then going back to it, right? Every time you go to the well, you're going to get a different pail of water. And so each time you read it, you're going to you're going to drink from the well that which will quench your thirst at the moment. And so I definitely see myself going back and rereading this and, and sitting with it um, and the different things. And so I'm actually going to give the book a five. Uh, I'm going to give the book a five and um, that takes it to what, like a 4.6, 4.7. If, if my math is right, somewhere in there. Um, but no, that I, I think this was a, this was a good choice, even though it was selected for the um, page count uh, by cousin Jeff. Um, I, <laughs> I'm glad it was suggested. <laughs> good, su- good suggestion, Jeff. Yeah, good, good, suggestion. good suggestion. Thank you. <laughs> um, It'll be the same for next month. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we hey we black men reading man, but we gotta we gotta <laughs> we gotta pace ourselves. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah, so it comes to a 4.7 on the uh, GRG Black Power Fist scale for It's all right, man. 4.7, that's all right, man. Jason Wilson, Cry Like a Man, Fighting for Freedom from Emotional Incarceration. 4.7 on the five-point Black Power Fist scale. Hey, man. Good read, fellas. Good read. You've just witnessed another edition of Bourbon and Books on the Game Recognized Game podcast with RLJ and Kev, along with my man, Cousin Jeff. Till next time, be like.